podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. And we've got ourselves a book highlights episode. This is kind of like a super recommendation episode. So if you're a first time listener to the podcast and you're in the perfect place to start, this is when we'll be taking a look and kind of doing an overview of the six previous books that we've just wrapped up on the podcast. We'll be recommending them, discussing them very broadly. It is a largely spoiler filled episode. So if you're just looking for a book recommendation and don't want us to go into any serious detail, then this episode will be perfect for you. Stick with us and we'll get you some book ideas and some book recs in the coming minutes. We have social media accounts, so if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word, we appreciate it. Check us out there for a reading schedule and general updates about what we've got going on, the books we've chosen, upcoming book selections, and all the good info. That's where you can find that stuff. And yeah, it's a highlights episode. These are when we take a look at the previous six things we've done. We're going to be just, again, not spoiling them, giving an overview, and hopefully persuading you to read a couple of them with us. Our uh, episodes for all six of these titles are already up in the feed so if yeah you're just looking for a book pick and you want something to read and you're not sure where to go next hopefully in the next hour or so we will give you some ideas did you feel amanda that this was a strong selection of six yeah i think uh for the most part definitely I think so, too. Looking back over it and doing our little reflections here that we'll get to, I found it to be really a pretty strong group. Like, were there really any yeah. weak areas in this group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eh, maybe one, kind of, sort of. But nothing nothing jumped out. So, <laughs> <laughs> But on the whole, it was definitely a, a worthwhile group. So shall we jump into our For segments? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's get recommending. Let's talk about the highlights and about the things we've been reading. We'll start with our first segment, which is free associations. This is when we each talk about the first word that came to mind when we thought back on the book and when we were prompted to remember and recall the book. Um, Why don't we go based on who picked it? So Civil Warland and Bad Decline by George Saunders is a short story collection. I picked this one. And the word I thought of was breakup, which is interesting do you th- are these mostly love stories? <laughs> Not kind of no. I I think that there are several stories that have an element of like the love story gone awry, kind of yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's just I think there's definitely elements of that. And there's just kind of a, I think his emotional register Saunders is just sort of in the breakup register. Like it's there's kind mm. of a melancholy air that he that he casts over all of his stories. So even if. Even if the breakups aren't literal, then I would think maybe the reason I thought of that word was because of a general, I don't know, emotional cloudiness. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think that relates to my word, too, because mine was um, decay. Oh, yeah. What kind of decay? I just, I mean, I feel like it was, like, everywhere in the setting, in some of the themes, um, just... It, when I picture when I picture that book I just see a lot of like <clears throat> almost like cloudy skies and like darkness <laughs> descending mm-hmm. yeah. it sounds like a really like sad read and there are sad elements to it but like yeah 
<laughs> I think, yeah, Decay, he's definitely interested in institutions or places, a lot of America, mm-hmm. you know, American-type places. He's an American author that are on their last, in their last moments, <laughs> in their last yeah. day of, you know, success or in their prime or something. There's a few stories about people who work for companies or businesses or institutions that are failing and are about to fail, like, yeah. completely. So, yeah, and there's and one dystopian. I think that also ties... Yeah to the breakup that you mentioned like the the decay of also like interpersonal relationships too yeah and who knew given all of this reflection that saunders is pretty funny at least i always find his writing to be pretty funny <laughs> so yeah, i think yeah. everything we've said is pretty you know very fair accurate but also it's uh, funny as well so that's a fun one uh, next book yeah. up uh, was a novel that we read, and it was To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf, a really kind of legendary figure in literary canon, at least in the 20th century for sure. This was your pick, Amanda, so what are you associating it with? Um, I said stillness, as in like the lack of any kind of like movement. Um, there's not a whole like... In, in the usual sense of, of movement in a book where people are like running around or there's like definitely like an action sequence and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of that in the book. It's very much about mm-hmm. what's going on beneath the surface of things. Even like the ocean, right. the water <laughs> where they're, the setting is, it's like very still waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an intensely yeah. interior book. Almost, yeah. you know, overwhelmingly, suffocatingly interior that like it's it's incredibly, yeah, narrative heavy and the point of view shifts occasionally and that's intense. And yeah, my, my pick for this one, my association was family. But I think, you know, I try and do these associations with no cheating, though sometimes I cheat. I think the first word that I really thought of was saga. It's just like kind of a big saga, mm. but that's an interesting way to describe it because the story is <clears throat> one night and then a time skip and then one day. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. really not a saga of any kind at all. So I, maybe that's why my brain rejected that and then quickly went to family. But it's also like an intense family story. It's just heavy on the relationships. It's almost entirely about the relationships and feelings that these family members have for one another. And there's some guests too at this family house. Um, so yeah, don't, don't let that saga word that I think I thought of first mislead any potential readers because it is... It's epic in scope and in terms of it, what it has on its mind, its ideas, but the timeline is not a saga at all. Yeah, I think saga is an interesting word because, yeah, it feels like a saga with, with how in-depth and, and how well you get to know the characters as well. It, it, you forget that it is just a day and then later on another day like years later so but yeah you get such a good sense of these these characters that it does feel like a saga where you get really invested in in the characters you'd be for sure forgiven with to the lighthouse in thinking that it happened over many years and it does not (laughs) that's a common point of confusion i'm sure the next book we read was a nonfiction account of the Belgian colonization in the Congo, and it was called King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hochschild, and I've picked that one, so I'll go first, and I've got the word brutal, 
and it's just a really mm. brutal account i think a lot of the time now there's there's certain topics within it about like leadership and governance and there's a couple of key figures that you know they themselves are not enacting any brutality but the accounts from the congo the system that was set up there all of the colonizers who were actively working there the book is very thorough in examining you know the horror that was done the things that were stripped away from the the people there and the kind of policies the approaches that were just yeah, I don't know. It's brutal. I, the interesting thing is, yeah. and I think you and I split on that one only slightly in that I think I found it a little more readable, and I know you were mixed on the actual reading, but I, I don't think it's brutal in an off-putting, like, did you think it became, like, painful to read or made it unreadable? Because I think he takes a pretty, I don't know, he's got that historian voice where it's it's kind of... It doesn't feel immersive in a bad way or something. It's not like a novel, I guess, which is an obvious statement. <laughs> Right. He doesn't go into, like, the gore of it. He he states yeah. things as, like, fact. It's like you're reading a newspaper clipping about something terrible that has happened. Um, like, in the back of your mind, you know, you can, like, imagine what these statements of, like, people getting their hands chopped off. Like, you, you get the idea, like, you know what that would entail. But yeah, it, yeah. he doesn't go into detail about, like, you know descriptions and stuff like that so it's brutal but it's not gory yeah yeah that's probably the perfect distinction there, there's an entire chapter just for some context or further info there's an entire chapter later in the book it's a brief one but where he basically runs through the scholarship of trying to estimate how many people were killed during this time period yeah. when belgium controlled this congo region and was extracting what was it mostly rubber it was like rubber from the area yeah. or something yeah, yeah among other things i guess but anyway so there is like you know it, that's a chapter that's it's like objectively brutal just these facts these horrendous details but he also is also doing it in an academic way it's you know it's a methodology of how can we try and understand how many people were killed by the belgian government and by the operations there so how about for your word uh mine is propaganda mm -hmm. um and that was like uh something that was constantly brought up throughout the book um and mm -hmm. i just found that probably one of Aside from, like, my complete knack, lack of knowledge of, like, what had happened in the Congo, um, like, the the propaganda aspect of it just really uh, interested me because I had not thought about propaganda before World War II, you know? So uh, that was something that really stuck, I guess, in my mind after, after reading that. It's, yeah, you know what? And that last point you made about World War II is probably the smart one. Uh, I think most of our listeners are probably American. And I feel like in American Ed, you mostly get the propaganda unit in World War II. <laughs> That's sort of yeah. like when every yep. English teacher slash history teacher here is going to cover like, okay, let's talk about what propaganda is. Let's talk about how information can be misleading or the government can, you know, put out false information to try and sway things. And anyway, and so, yes, this is a great example, though, of how the leader, King Leopold, basically put on an exhaustive and very thorough propaganda campaign yeah yeah so it's a good one any lessons you learned about propaganda um they're they're still using the same tactics <laughs> <laughs> i suppose it's a pretty finite uh they've got pretty finite options i guess yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair why change it if it works guys 
Yeah, honestly. I mean, keep those keep those good times rolling. Yeah, a pretty intense read. <laughs> um, and, and fairly academic, too, but I, again, found it to be pretty readable. All right, let's keep it moving. Yeah. The next book up is also nonfiction. We had two in a row here, and this is The Psychology of Zelda, which was edited by Anthony M. Bean. It's a collection of essays about the video game series The Legend of Zelda, and then, obviously, a, a psychology perspective on that. And there's a bunch of different authors in there. Amanda, this was your pick, so what's the association? Um, mine was uh, Majora's Mask, which is the nice. the game. Um, and the reason for that is that um, the essay about Majora's Mask um, really stuck out to me because it was uh, very different. It was the first one that was very different in the collection, and also it's like one of my favorite games. And um, also Majora's Mask was um, mentioned in like almost every single essay. Um, as an example yeah, of yeah. something or other. So, yeah, it, that's yeah. Um, the big one. It it had, I think, the best essay in the collection. D- or I, it, the video game didn't. The, the essay dedicated to it, is how I meant to phrase that, <laughs> had, I think, the best essay in the collection. Yeah. Do you think it was yeah. overused? Should they have explored other elements in their essays? Um... I think that uh, they should. I think that the essays would have benefited from being more particular. So, like the Majora's Mask essay stood out because it was a deep dive into one particular game yeah. within the franchise. So, if the others had done that or done like a comparison between two rather than over the entire span of all these games, I think that it would have been more gripping for me. Yeah, that's something that was kind of a refrain of ours on that episode. A lot of the essays cover the same basic points and kind of overlap in some significant ways with their ideas and their analyses. So, yeah, I think doing more game deep dives would have been good on that one. Fittingly enough, then, given the repetition of some of those, my word association was hero, but really it's hero's journey. So I I, I thought of hero, but then, of course, (laughs) yeah, the Joseph Campbell hero's journey kind of analysis and theory comes up oof, in almost every essay. I mean, it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, even more so than Carl Jung. <laughs> Jung is a close second, though, but perhaps actually maybe tied. I never did the full tally, or the official tally at the end. I never actually counted it up, but they, they are awfully similar and close in terms of uh, frequency, let's say. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So I guess I'd, my summary of this would be, if you don't know what the hero's journey is, and you've never heard of Joseph Campbell, then I think it, the book would actually be pretty illuminating, frankly. It's a kind of a nice <laughs> intro to what that idea is. But to repeat our thoughts from the book rack, if you know what that idea is, you've watched, let's say, a YouTube video explaining it or something similar, or you've, you know, listened to a podcast maybe about some movies and people talked about it, I don't know if it's going to add too much depth. I I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, it kind of applies a pretty straightforward, superficial, almost analysis of that, but but not in such a bad way. Anyway, okay. Next book up is Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Did we ever settle on a pronunciation? Piranesi? 
Piranesi. Piranesi. Piranesi, yeah. For, for no reason <laughs> in particular, a very Italian sound, a little Italian twang to that. Uh, does it take? No, it doesn't take place in Italy. It takes place in Britain, kind of. Um, anyway. But the name is Italian. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that, well, there we go. So, fair enough. Piranesi. And that's by Susanna Clark. It's a short fantasy novel. So, it is a fantasy story, but it's not long and it's not part of a series. It's kind of a brief one. This was my pick, right? Yeah, it was my pick. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that. Mm-hmm. And so I'll do my association, and it's mystery. It is, it's a fantasy story for sure, but I think it's primarily a mystery story and kind of a quiet one, at least for a while. It it ramps up in the way that a typical mystery and investigative kind of story would, and it has twists and turns and plot beats and everything, but it really is just this kind of atmospheric, moody immersive world where you're just left wondering what's going on and the main character has his own questions that he's trying to solve and they're not always the questions that you have and he's got his own way of thinking and you you as a reader probably have a different way and so it's got these different angles of mystery that are kind of fascinating going with mystery i like that yeah it's a light fantasy mystery research journal <laughs> yeah because it's first person he, it's literally his journals as yeah. he investigates the world he lives in and tries to uncover things about it and so that's yeah that's a huge component H- how about for your association uh mine is statues um which i think ties in with like the the mis- mysterious air of the entire novel that you were talking about um because in the in in that house there's just you know his companions are statues of sometimes really grotesque images. Sorry, I was closing my door. Just realized it was open. Yes, the I guess we should describe the world. I completely ducked and dodged it earlier, but it is since it's kind of the whole crux of it. This person, Piranesi, lives in a endless labyrinth of hallways that are just filled with statues. And you're right, some are grotesque, some are not. Some are peaceful, some are menacing. And so, yeah, it's, it's essentially his time spent in this place that he calls, what does he call it, the house? The, the house, the yes. House. And it's essentially, at least the book certainly opens, with his explorations of the house, what he finds and, and discovers there, how he lives and sustains a life in the house. And there's one other person that he also meets there that, yeah, we're, we're going spoiler free, so I'm staying pretty vague. <laughs> but that is the mm-hmm. sort of situation. And yeah, the statues make for some great images early on, some pretty important symbols we, we thought by the end, some important moments to unpack and analyze. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. some, some pretty imagery too nice descriptions moody moody very moody yeah final book in our set here is 84 charing cross road by helene hanf this is a uh, did we ever decide on the literary name for this i know there is one is it epistolary uh, or something not yeah yeah something but it's not a novel so Right, right. A collection of letters. <laughs> the cor- I believe I I've heard correspondence, but I can't remember. It's like if there's some follow-up to it, like correspondence collection or co- anyway. Yes, it is a letter collection or a collection of letters, I should say, between a woman, Helene Humph, and a bookseller in Britain that she communicates with. This is primarily in the 1950s, though it occasionally it was in the 40s and I think 60s. It gets into the 60s a little bit too. And so, yeah, it is letters between a woman who wants to buy some books and a British bookseller. And I, I think it's not a spoiler to say that they strike a bit of a friendship. That's kind of the charm and the joy of it. So that's that's what happens in it. 
it's a grouping of letters. Anyway, Amanda, your pick here. So what's the association? Mine is books. Um, yeah. Obviously, like from from the description you just gave there, you know, it's, it, they're in the trade of books and they're um, she's buying books from um, this bookseller. But also, like when I when I think about the books there, I just love the descriptions of the books and the love for the right. books um, that you can really like feel um, as you read these letters. Yeah, it, it helps if you have kind of a love of collecting books. I don't think it's a requirement because it's just a charming series of letters without that. But yes, it's definitely about people who really value and prize their books. It's it's the, I, I, don't, I was almost going to call her main character. She's not a character, real person. But Helene Hoff is, is a person who really takes her book collecting seriously and cares a lot about the ones she owns and what it represents and means and everything. So it would help, I think, if you appreciated that too as a reader. So, yeah, definitely. My association was friends, or friendship would have worked too. I think uh, the thing I'd point out here is the charm and sort of kindness of the back and forth and the tone of it is really, I think, what sells the book. The author, Helene Hoff, at least the, one of the primary ones, she's got a very strong authorial voice. She was also a writer in real life, so that makes sense that she, you know, writes really well and cleverly. But they're kind of back and forth, the way she pokes and prods and jokes with them. It really is a very sweet friendship, and it, it I think, made me feel quite strongly. This may have been my strongest reaction to any of the books we read, other than maybe mm. the Saunders, because Saunders can... I, he just, I think, operates in the closest wavelength to where, where I'm at. So I think he I always react to his writing, I feel like. But this was, I think, a close second because I just found it to be very sweet. And then some of the way the letters like jump ahead in time kind of p- played with my emotions, too. Made me feel nostalgic. That's a word that comes up a lot. Yeah. Uh, regretful yeah. or something. But yeah, friends. Yeah, that's a great one. And, and that's what this book is all about too is just making sure that you know she gets across Helen Honf was just trying to get across like the importance of her friendship with her friend uh, Frank Dole yeah, Frank Dole deserves a shout out of his own. He's not on the, you know, he's not one of the authors attributed to on the cover or something, but yeah, deserves his own shout out for being a dry British backboard <laughs> she just bounces off of. Yeah, good times. Uh, let's her, you know bounce around anyway okay so that's an intro to the books there's some free associations for you listeners we're going to do a couple more segments to again just kind of overview the books recommend them talk through which ones are good and what context let's do the this or that segment amanda you ready Okay, This or That is a basic segment where we take the books and sort of divide them up into this or that category. So we've chosen which books fit a certain category or another one. After we do the first example, I think it'll make pretty clear sense. The first This or That is going to be a book you would take with you to the beach or a book you would study in a college class. Why don't you start us off, Amanda? What are you taking to the beach? What about a college class? Um, to the beach, I would take Civil Warland and Bad Decline. Mm. Um, Sad beach. Mostly because, <laughs> yeah, to the beach, uh, because it's um, a short story collection. So there's shorter yeah. things, yeah. and sometimes, like at the beach, you can get easily distracted and stuff like that. Um, and also, it's uh, when I go to the beach, I'm not really interested in reading like nonfiction necessarily. Um, I want something that. Um, is entertaining but still like makes me think and i think that civil war land and bad decline like really fits that for me yeah um yeah. 
And then for college, I would bring um, to the lighthouse. I think there's a lot yeah. that, a lot of symbolism and and everything else that you could really delve into there. Excellent. Yeah. I so let's start with the college then college course because I had the same pick to the lighthouse. There's a couple obvious ones here that would have fit, but to me, lighthouse wins this because you almost you need an accountability system to read this book. I, I really don't think unless you're an incredibly kind of literary minded person and perhaps reading books is your number one hobby or you've done some study or something like that. I mean, you could you could of course tackle this book solo and it would be fulfilling, but you you just need a check in accountability system. System. And it's nice to hear interpretations and get some other reads on things with this one because it's quite dense and it's quite, you know, exhaustive and exhausting. So I just think it really fit for no other reason just to like hear other perspectives and get a have a guiding hand, have a professor who maybe, you know, obviously a good lecturer in that sense shouldn't tell you what to think, but should, you know, expose you to a lot of thinking. And I think that would be extremely helpful. I just <laughs> it's just so dense and really, yeah intense to read. So I completely agree. I think you almost need that. And then for Beach, I'm going with 84 Charing Cross Road. It's funny, though, very similar reasons to yours. Obviously, it's nonfiction, but it's very brief. The letters are short. And the the main thing I was thinking of is that Helene Humph is just very charming and kind of funny and fun. And I think that's the Beach vibe, right? That's just you want to be reading a person like that because you're relaxed, maybe not paying that much attention, kind of half reading. And she's just very funny. So she'll keep your interest on the page and can, you know, win you over with a couple of jokes here and there. But I, yeah, Civil War. Land is also a solid pick for that. Yeah, yeah. You, you went with the uplifting one. I went with the uh, the sad <laughs> one. <laughs> when it's a cloudy beach day versus a bright sunny. Yeah, there's there's many different kinds of beach days, you know. Um, yeah, that's so true. Okay, the next this or that category: a book you would use for a pick me up or to feel better, and then a book for when you want to mope or if you need to mope. Uh, what are your picks? Um, so for a pick me up, I said 84 Charing Cross Road because mm-hmm. it's, it's such a sweet, sweet read. Um, and then to mope, I said King Leopold's Ghost because there's just like, you'll, you'll be questioning like, you know, humanity <laughs> by the end of it and yeah. just yeah. government and everything else. You're just gonna, yeah, there's a lot, Not a lot a- of lack of faith. <laughs> yeah, not a subtle pick, but the right pick. <laughs> I, it's funny. I'll, I'll start with my mope because my mope is Civil War Land and Bad Decline, the George Saunders short yeah, stories, which I think to me, I was associating moping with kind of a, a woe is me, my life's gone wrong, or I'm in a small depressed mm-hmm. episode or something, you know, and I think Saunders just nails that feeling and all of his characters are in that position. Like literally yeah. every single one of the main characters is in some way in that moment of crisis, that crisis point. <laughs> I think there's maybe one character who isn't perhaps, but for the most part. So I think that kind of narratively just makes sense for this, but I will say that yours is the good one on the grand scale. I think almost King Leopold's yeah. ghost, it's like post mope. It's something deeper than that. It's like a bone bone crunching dread or something <laughs> it's yeah that's a good way to put it yeah <laughs> it's like deeper than mope to me but so, yeah both great picks. anxiety yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and for my pick me up i completely agree 84 train crossroad helene hoff just is a treat it's very fun to read her voice and to get a spend some time with her and you know the fact that it's nonfiction, i think i don't know almost made it more cheerful because you know that this was a real friendship that was developing which yeah. again i think adds to its mm-hmm. charms Yep, I I agree totally. And these are real people with real lives, and 
the the way that they develop their friendship just organically like that is just so sweet to read. Yeah, certainly. A, a excellent pick, and our consensus, I think, makes sense for the pick-me-up there. Also, do we have any yeah. other good pick-me-up books in this collection? <laughs> ah, no. Yeah, so I think it's like it, it, it ran really ran away with that award. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the final this or that, then. Let's wrap up with one more. A book you'd give as a gift or a book that deserves a sequel or some sort of follow-up. It could also be a prequel. Just like a book you'd lo- like more of in any fashion. Uh, how about your picks for these? Yeah. Uh, for a gift, I said Psychology of Zelda, mm. partially because it was a gift for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's a good gift for somebody who's like really into the Zelda games, or somebody who's like um, interested in in learning a little bit about you know the, the basics of psychology. Um, right, right. But it's a good gift because it's like you know anybody who collects any Zelda Zelda stuff, like I do, like this is such a great gift for it mm-hmm. um and for a sequel i said piranesi just because yeah. uh, there's so many things that you could like you could do a prequel for that you could do a sequel for that like there's so many cool things that you could do and that i would even like a short story about maybe like a day in the life of piranesi um yeah yeah, I would, I would, I would really enjoy that. <laughs> it, it is intriguing on both ends. I think you're right to say it, like yeah. prequel, sequel, because it, it, yeah, that's a book that we have to be the most careful around spoiler kind of territories and some yeah. mystery. People get, <laughs> people are rightly, I think, sensitive about. It. They don't want you just lay it all out for them or whatever. But yes, it's it has rich territory in both on both sides. So there's tons that could yeah. be done with it. Yeah. A very worthy pick uh, for my gift. I'm going with civil war land just because I want people to know mm. that they should be miserable. You know, that that's <laughs> that they need to be moping more. <laughs> uh, no, I, well, par- partially that in a kind of joking manner, but no, the other reason is just because since I really like Saunders a lot, one of my favorite, he's probably my favorite, like living author. I just kind of try and give him to people as often as I can. I've given many of his books, to people, family members and stuff, friends, where I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's put more Saunders out there and see if other people really like him or connect to his writing. So that's just an honest pick for me because I, I like his work very much. And the sequel, I went with King Leopold's Ghost. I Obviously, it tells a pretty complete account because it concludes when Belgium like leaves the Congo. But I just think then I was interested in the rebuilding, the post-colonial time, the trying, you know, government making that I'm sure uh, went on there and like what factions would have developed, how did things go what did belgium leave them with and what's the legacy so i think there's a rich i mean it would be a very different book of course because post-colonialism doesn't you know the colonists are gone directly <laughs> the imperial force is left but i it w- left the book thinking about and wondering about sort of how that project went now i also took i took one i think post-colonial lit class in college i think yeah i think that one but so you know fiction wise i've read some things and obviously get you get some history lessons within that too but i just don't think i've ever read like a full account a full book length account of here's how you know nation building occurred once the colonial force left so i think that would be intriguing yeah, the um I remember at the end of the book like the final chapter there was some mention of like specifically America's involvement in in rebuilding the Congo. Um but I, yeah, I think that there could have been like a whole other book about about that and about how the Congo came to be its own on its own. Yeah, no question. There's there's many many topics that could be further delved into. 
Okay, let's do another segment. We've got two segments left, and we'll we'll end with our reviews and ranking segment, so we'll conclude there. But the third segment we want to do is a fun one. It's the completely arbitrary but fun award segment. So for each of the books we've read, Amanda and I have designed an award specifically to give that book. It could be sincere. It could be just a goof. It could be <laughs> something in between. And so we're each going to give, you know, every book deserves some kind of an award. And so we're going to, to don these books with the awards. Why don't we just go with, again, whoever picked it will go and do theirs first. Does that make sense? Okay. So first book up, and we'll keep going in the order we read them. Civil War Land and Bad Decline, short story collection by George Saunders. I'm going with the Sad and, sad and Funny or Sweet and Sour Award because nobody has the tone down like he does for to, for me to me I, I I do not react to almost any other author like I react to him I just think it's so rare to have an author who can make you laugh and feel such despondency in in very short order in like a very quick tight turn and I I will always praise him for that this book didn't let me down I had this is the only book of his I'd never read before uh, before we read it together and so I was not let down it it did the things that he does well basically um my award actually ties in I think really well with yours um as yeah. far as like tone uh, mine is the man that's some bleak but well-written stories award. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, good to give as a gift. So, you're saying yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's it's sad. A lot of it is like you know fairly pessimistic in nature, but beautifully written, really beautifully written, concise, and some really interesting turns of phrases. Like it's, mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just a great author. I He and his own kind of afterword in that collection, at least in the edition I had, kind of talks about his own process and stuff. And he described his early writings as that he was just trying to copy Hemingway, which unlocked something in my brain. I'd never thought to compare them because... It's like he has the cadence and rhythm of Hemingway, but is like a sad modern man instead of like a masculine, tough bravado guy in the 20s or, you know, teens yeah. or whatever. So it's like, but I think it has a similar kind of pace or clip at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. that It's just, it unlocks something when he made that um, kind of insight or had that insight. So anyway, next one up, the novel To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. Uh, take it away, Amanda. I said the most expressive non-expression award. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of expressive eye movements and staring at each other going on in this book. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does anything happen in the story? <laughs> <laughs> the days progress. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Time moves forward. <laughs> yeah. It's just, a, it's just true. Dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I'll go with a positive award for this one, too. I'm going to go with the Oh Damn, I Get It Now award because the middle, there's three parts in the book. That's not a spoiler. The middle part uh, kind of blew my mind, and I thought it was really f- interesting and really phenomenal. And so the first part was, uh, yeah, I mean, not a slog because it has real moments of just literary kind of bliss or ecstasy but i think if the middle part hadn't been what it was and did what it did i don't know if you know if this book was just three parts like part one then i really just don't know what my thought of it would have been i think i would have been much more mixed on it but i think the it gets the oh damn i get it award because of the middle part yeah that makes total sense to me we we both really enjoyed that middle part 
And I think I think we did a couple reviews. I mean, we always do in Book Club 2. But I think a couple of them even called out the middle section as being like the reason it's so remembered. And I think that it's interesting because I would completely agree. But it's also like, let's not let one genius moment overshadow maybe some, some clunk. <laughs> um, not that, I don't know, you almost can't call a book that dense clunky. It's like intentionally. So it's, it's interesting anyway. Um, okay, ne- next book up, King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hochschild, the Belgium in the Congo history. I'm just going with the Yikes Award because fucking yikes. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to be too flip about it because it's a severe, severe and serious historical event that really occurred. But I think at every turn, every person you meet, every leader, every person involved in the in the events, even some of the people who are there to prevent and try and protest this, like there's a lot of yikes moments with some of them too. It's just every everywhere you yeah. look, it's like oh yikes. Yeah, even, like, those with good intentions, it's, like, kind of tinged with, like, racism and... (laughs) Or just, like, failure. Or just, like, some of them just end up miserable and, like, everything they tried and... I don't know. There's a couple success stories, I guess, but... um... Yeah, it's it's just yikes all around. It's uh, leadership yeah. levels on the ground levels. Uh, yeah, the colonialist mindset that some of the people had. The yeah, the the practical things, the economic things, the the torture, the physical. Like I don't know, it's yikes all over. So I could have given a much harsher word, but uh, trying to you know just <laughs> not be quite as down downtrodden or severe on that one. How about yours? Mine is um, the History as Explained Through Modernity Award. Mm -hmm. Um, He uses a lot of references to um, modern day politics and and stuff like that. So it's like he's explaining history, but also tying it to what's happening now in the world. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think he also refers a lot to, and, and who could escape it, kind of like World War II era propaganda and has some comparison points yeah. there too. So he, he definitely looks ahead past the colonization of Congo to explain it a bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next book up, The Psychology of Zelda, the essay collection edited by Anthony and Bean. This was your pick, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was about to yep. jump in. But yeah, go ahead. What's your award for this one? Uh, the Psychology for the Gaming Masses Award. That's a pretty easy one because it is. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm just going to describe the back cover award. <laughs> Any thoughts on the Gaming Masses part of your award, though? Do you think gamers would read this? Um, I think that... Maybe Nintendo gamers. So there's like, I feel like there's two types of gamers, right? So there's the ones who are like Call of Duty and that kind of stuff where they're like super into strategy and like, and and the competitive nature of that. And then I think that there's more of like the casual ones that would be more like me, uh, which is more of like, we're huge fans of like Nintendo and <laughs> Zelda's our favorite, you know? Um, so I think those masses, yes. Um, as far as like those who are super into strategy and stuff, uh, no. Yeah, I think, I, I wonder if it's, what was I going to, yeah, what's my thought here? I had a thought and now I feel like I'm losing the train. <laughs> got to re, got to chase the train down. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I think a game like, 
people who don't i'm trying to think of it this way because i i myself play a lot of games so it's like i wonder if i'm considered a gamer who, who knows really i'm not even sure if that term means much anymore these days but I, I guess i would say this if reading is not your primary hobby or interest you could still read this like if you only read maybe one or two books a year this is still very readable i guess that's what i was where my train of thought was going so it's i was going to say like gamers can read this but it's like i think most people play games are literate I, it's not really that it's not an issue of literacy i just think it's like if you don't read very much or often if you don't enjoy it it's still readable this book um and i guess tacking on to that my award is the never been a stronger undergraduate vibe award for this is just an undergrad level feeling thing like it's (laughs) at at various (laughs) points i think my commentary was none of this is wrong but i don't know if it's interesting or like if it's helping me understand something more deeply like but but at very few points or at almost no points was I just like, well, that doesn't seem right. Or, oh, that's, you know, confusing or that analysis is off or, you know, too extreme or false or illogical. Like it, it never really has those slip ups, but it almost feels too simple or too clean in, in some ways. Very basic in a lot of ways. Yeah, we I think we use the term psychology 101 several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that that undergrad, like, just give me the basic intro vibe is incredibly strong here on this one, for sure. Yeah. Okay, two more books to give awards to here. Let's do Piranesse next by Susanna Clark. This was my pick, so I'll start it off. I'm going with the Genre Agnostic Literary Greatness Award. Uh, for one simple reason, and if you haven't listened to the recommendation, then I'll I'll do my quick pitch or spiel on this first. This is like the fantasy book for people who don't like fantasy or avoid it or even hate it, <laughs> don't want to read it, you know, or really don't like the genre fiction. Th- I think this is the one because it has so many achievements and moments of brilliance that aren't directly about building a fantasy, fantastical, you know, tropey, trope-filled world, and it just it has such literary greatness in it that transcend the tropes you know or or the genre so i do think it's just kind of like this is a great book if you're a fantasy lover and you just want to get somebody else to read one with you or something then this is the pick Mm -hmm. for sure it's yeah it's it's definitely fantasy but it's not gonna be um the tomes that are often what Mm -hmm. do you think of when you think of fantasy and also like uh, your uh, title to the award title could be that it's it's fantasy but it's also mystery and it's also mm-hmm. a bit of like a, a throw to to um, research journaling and like you know Darwin's writing kind of stuff like there's a lot of different genre elements you can go with there too not just the fantasy right that yeah. I think could fit with your award for sure um Mine is the Best Damn Scientific Journal Award. Oh, yeah. Granted, it's not real science, but I just <laughs> loved the writing style and, and the fact that it was given to us as though it's a scientific journal. Yeah, what if a 19th century era kind of Western European explorer was not problematic or, or was not doing, you know colonial stuff while they're exploring new worlds (laughs) Uh, it would be like that kind of writing of just a person who is deeply curious really wants to understand the world around them and wants to categorize things and try and classify and comprehend and everything and they can do it in a place where they're not like hurting people (laughs) or you know bringing down 
big societal trouble upon them or something. And so, yeah, the voice in it is just so unique and worth recommending because of the first person journal sure. stuff. Quite a voice, quite a character too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very memorable. Say, say a little more because yeah, we we're not here to spoil it, but that's, that's a great book. Anyway, final book mm-hmm. that we read was 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hoff, the letter back and forth letter correspondence. Amanda, your award. Uh, mine is the Holy Crap That's Totally Me Award oh, for yeah. Bibliophiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything that she was like writing about, like her great love of books. I was like, ah, I get it. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, knowing where all your books are and doing, you know, moving them around because you want to see one versus the others or kind of like ranking them in your head arbitrarily. She's got a great aside in one of the letters about how she like wants to get rid of some books because they don't like move her anymore. And yeah, it's she just cares so much about books. It's very touching. We, on the other hand, I maybe have too much access to books. Are books too easy to get nowadays? That's impossible, right? It couldn't be true. I mean, they still are fairly costly, uh, even more mm-hmm. so if you're trying to go into like some of those <laughs> first editions that she got for like a oh, right. dollar. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's a whole nother India yeah, hardcovers. And no, they, they definitely can yeah. be. It can be a costly <laughs> hobby for sure. Um, but, you know, thank goodness for libraries. And, and I'll even give a slight shout out. Not really my thing, but ebooks like, you know, it's more accessible. I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, ebook yeah. revolution. Yeah, I'm okay with the idea that books should be you know easier cheaper to have access to so no complaint at least on that front i still will be a collector i like them as decorative objects i just can't you know i do too everyone deserves to collect something in their life something they like want to keep as a prize at any rate uh my award is the please can we bring back letters and get rid of email award for just i'm just begging (laughs) the world (laughs) it's it's funny though because i it's this book made me nostalgic for a time I never lived in, which I think is quite an achievement, right? That's a pretty rare feeling where it was kind of like, gosh, I wish that life moved at this pace where these people check in, you know, four times a year and have these quippy, very fun, meaningful kind of correspondence and relationships. But also there's a certain sadness to it, too, because you can see the time, obviously through the format, you can see the time slipping away and passing from them, which has made it has kind of a nostalgic or almost a sadness to it, a simple sadness. But yeah, I think the letters, the thought that goes into it, some of the back and forth, the way they convey their lives and summarize what's going on it just yeah it had a tempo to it that i really yeah again it's like nostalgic for a time i never lived yeah it's and it's it's a a greater appreciation too for i think the the thought that goes into writing a letter versus just like you know quickly typing up an email or a text message where you put a lot of thought into what you're saying which i think really highlights um Helen's um, writing style too, because she's got such a voice. So it, yeah, certainly. Yeah. There's a, I think it's, it's funny though, cause it is quite biased in the stylistic sense because she was a professional author. So it's like, I understand that, you know, if the world tomorrow were to revert back to, you know, you got to let letters, they're going to take a long time to get there. So make them thoughtful and careful. I get that tomorrow we're not just going to be filled with brilliant literary minds who write like she did. So, you know, it's like, it's realistic. I, I'm being realistic too, but it just, it had me, yeah, feeling this weird regret or longing for this, um, this type of approach or something so to correspondence but yeah and te- text can be i don't know texting's okay 
sometimes I feel like I write a clever text, but it's, it is very clippy. It's just not, yeah, I don't know. It's so brief. It's not very thought out. You're not really trying to, you're just trying to get the point across. You're not really trying to get the, be, be interesting in your style or something, which, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. this podcast makes it clear enough that we appreciate those things. So (laughs) makes sense that we're, you know, nostalgic for them. Nice. Any other awards you want to throw out there quickly? Those are our awards for the books. Pretty good ones, I think, this time. Yeah, that's it for me. A fair representation. Well, let's end, Amanda, with what the people have come to hear. Just let's make some lists. (laughs) Everyone, Everyone wants to hear a list. Lists are big. Lists are in. That's the content people want. Let's give it to them. Yeah. Um, we actually always end our book recommendation episodes, or highlights, I guess, highlights episodes, with this segment, and it is when we are going to take our personal rankings of these six books and put them against and compare them to Goodreads, which is what we use because it is, as I am currently aware of anyway, the biggest internet database for book rankings. Has there has there been a yeah. usurpation at all? Is Goodreads still the number one? I feel like Goodreads is still, yeah, the number one. Yeah, I, I have to think so, right? I mean, there's no... I think there was one competitor out there. Maybe maybe one of these days we'll switch it up, but not today, because it still has a ton <laughs> of reviewers using the platform. So anyway, we'll compare us to Goodreads. Uh, what we'll do is we'll start... Do we go from six to one or one to six? I think it's one to six. One to six, yeah. Yeah, because I think our thinking Typically. here is we want to give you the... It may have become clear just through the segments we've done, but we really want to just give you the best of the best right away. So again, if you're just looking for a book recommendation or two, I think we'll get to those right away. And then, you know, I I think by ranking them, hopefully we'll reveal our just overall thoughts and impressions and whatnot. Okay, shall we dive in? Let's do it. Goodreads, number one ranking. Amanda, I I just hate myself today, and you're going to find out why very briefly. (laughs) I just can't believe I can't believe how far I've fallen in my literary tastes. Uh, because you're going to see that me and Goodreads today were real simpatico. I don't know how this occurred. First time ever this has happened. Anyway, uh, Goodreads' number one ranking is Piranesi by Susanna Clark, the fantasy mystery story. It has a 4.24, which is a really strong rating. Anything over a 4 seems to be the Goodreads consensus for like a very good book. And this is the, this is the amazing part. It has 211,000 reviews. Yeah, because it was it did get a bunch of awards and became kind of a literary hit the year that it was released. So I mean, I was still surprised by that volume and keeping a ranking that high after that many reviews is a, is an achievement for sure on Goodreads. Yeah, yeah, certainly we, we've covered books that have been that well reviewed, but I don't know if they've maintained such a rating. So very yeah. very high up. Um, what's your number one? Uh, the same. Oh, um, you're also Goodreads yeah, pilled. Surprisingly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, okay. It was pretty close to Goodreads this time around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My number one is Piranesi. Do you want to just speak on it overall? I know we've we've described the book so far, but haven't given our maybe clear opinion. So what's your like clear yeah. cut, simple opinion on this one? I, I absolutely loved the book. I thought that it was, uh, I mean we cut our books in half to read but you could definitely read this book in a day like in a sitting it's just it's beautifully written it's concise in a lot of ways and it's um the mystery drives you forward as you read it's and you really care about the characters especially the main character piranesi so yeah it's a great wonderful book yeah it achieves on ever in every way it just there's not a really a 
literary element design aspiration that it fails to achieve. It's like really stunning. One of the best books we've we've had, I think. It may even, I think yeah. we've, we're reformulating our kind of Hall of Fame or whatever we're going to call it, the Mount Rushmore, whatever we end up de- designating it. But it, it's a strong one for maybe one of the best books we've done on the podcast. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's brevity because it's, you know, 250 pages, something like that, maybe like a little under 300. It's just really staggering. It's amazing. Really a, yeah. an incredible book. Uh, props to Goodreads. I wouldn't have guessed it. And the next Goodreads ranking, I think, stunned me like way more, <laughs> uh, which is that their number two book for this set is Civil War Land and Bad to Climb, the George Saunders, George Saunders short story collection. It is a 4.22, so it's really close, very close to Piranesi, yeah. uh, but only 20,000 reviews. That's still a pretty respectable number. Number, but you'll see with the other book, like for Goodreads, it's actually kind of a low number. So um, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot, but if Goodreads <clears> is low. Uh, what are your thoughts on it being number two? I was just, yeah, I don't know. Saunders, he's pretty literary, but I think, I think maybe because his prose is a little simpler and accessible, maybe that's why people respond to it. It's also kind of dystopian and sci-fi-ish. It's like sci-fi light. And I think people yeah. like that kind of genre stuff. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense to me. And, and, because it's um short story collection people i think like short story collections in that mm. they can pick it up and put it down right um right. so it's like more bite-sized reading but it's yeah kinda, i mean yeah. civil war line is a good one well and i think it's a self-selecting crew on goodreads because i think people who just hate short stories would never bother to pick one up or especially rate one right. online and so i also think it's like people who go out of their way to review that kind of a book online are probably you know, more biased towards it in the first place, but I was thrilled to see it. Number two, I pleasantly shocked as well. I'll describe it. Um, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is actually 84 Charing Cross Road. Yeah, and my number two is Civil Warland. So, so far, me and Goodreads, we're, we're holding hands on this one thus far. <laughs> um, I guess I'll say my piece on Civil Warland quickly since I'm matching with Goodreads. I think it's not Saunders' best book, but it's clear now, though, that even his you know worst book is a phenomenal book that I would recommend to most people. <laughs> it's certainly got its tone intensity, and it's got his signature style of pairing you know really grotesque and ugly moments with real sadness and kind of beauty and longing and so it's just yeah it's like a Sean uh, Saunders master class like all of his books but I, I do think that it's one of his more raw and I think I described it this way before with you I think it's one of his angrier kind of bitter books so to speak mm. but I don't know he still accomplishes the things I love about him in it so I don't know if it would be the first Saunders I would give to somebody but it's a great book I mean I if you've never read him then yeah go ahead and pick it up and check out our episodes so I, I'm strong recommendation um what are your thoughts on cherry cross road um so the reason i chose it because i, I kind of struggled a little bit actually between cherry cross road and civil war land and bad decline um but ultimately i chose 84 because um of the way that it made me feel after reading it it was just like afterwards i was just like so uh, it made me feel like light and happy Mm-hmm. And it's it was something that I just just so enjoyed reading on so many different levels um, as far as like the mood, the tone, the writing style, the um, the the same love that we have for for a few things. And, and also just the fact that I got to learn a little bit more about like, you know, the time frame, too. I just it for me clicked a lot of checked off a lot of stuff that I just, you know, appreciate about books in general and she hit all of them for me so yeah let's not underrate the 
the history of it and you do learn these little snippets it's kind of bite-sized history bits about post-world war ii life so that's i think not the main reason to recommend it but it does it adds a little intrigue to it a little dynamic uh, complexity to it completely agree yeah uh, that will be coming up soon because goodreads ranking <laughs> 84 train crossroad is number three with a 4.16 so a bit lower but you know still above a four and that has seventy four thousand reviews so again a strong number wow my yeah. number three is also 84 Charing Cross Road, so you might notice what's happening here. <laughs> the disaster that's occurring. Me and Goodreads united at last. This is the kind of a har- harbinger of an apocalypse kind of feeling to have myself aligned perfectly with Goodreads. And then your number three, Amanda? Um, was Civil War Land in right. Bad Decline. Yeah, you said you hard to split them. I think I would agree. I, I almost put 84 second, but I just couldn't get away from... I just like Saunders' inventiveness a touch more, but 84 Train Crossroads phenomenal. It's extremely charming. I think these top three like unqualified recommendations all it's an incredibly strong top three books mm-hmm. for and at least from the in my view and I, i'm not surprised for i sure. guess that 84 train cross would be number three because you just can't deny helene Hamp's voice just such a fun presence to be in when she writes her letters yeah yeah she's great and it's same with um saunders like mm-hmm. if uh, his short stories are just such a they're also like really fast to read and they're just like they're really thought provoking in a lot of ways yeah and and also just his style it's i mean it's bleak but it is um the way that he writes it there is like you've mentioned before there's a lot of humor um in in the stuff and it's tragic at the same time it's just uh, there's a lot of complexity to his stories that i really appreciated yeah i think the best modern comparison for him is the tv show series black mirror or even like twilight zone mm. but it's like with a little yeah. more heart those stories can yeah. sometimes be just punishment and he does not just punish you know he's not just out to you know to like torment you emotionally or <laughs> um literarily so but yeah i think that's probably the best like quick comparison for him yeah a very worthy number three um and let's jump into goodreads number four so we're in the back half now i think there's a pretty clear demarcation here would you agree like the top three to me unassailable picks i really feel amazing about them it's i would recommend them to anybody the bottom three it's like recommendations with caveats (laughs) so i think there's a pretty clear mark uh splitting mark dividing mark uh goodreads number four is king leopold's ghost with a 4.15 basically tied like basically the same score as charing cross and it has 55,000 reviews. So that, you know, also a pretty high respectable number for sure. And yeah, I think, well, let's let's do ours. Uh, my number four is also King Leopold's Ghost. Hopefully at this point, the jokes have made it clear that I'm just going to match up the whole time <laughs> with, <laughs> with Goodreads. Uh, and your number four? Uh, mine is actually to the lighthouse. Yeah. Okay. That was the that was probably my hardest debate was this and that one. So let's well, let's hash out King Leopold's ghost as number four. I think it makes sense for a Goodreads four pick because it it is a bit on the dense side for sure. But because it's about a historical topic that. I just think people have like a baseline kind of interest in or something, or it's like, it's a thing you would have heard about from school, but then maybe you'd pursue it on your own because you have that deeper curiosity. Um, But it's very thorough. I I thought it actually was pretty readable. Again, I know you and I split on that element of it a bit. And I think that the the personal study or the sort of historical characters in it make it pretty exceptional. The only reason I would put it at four or have that dividing line, it's just, you know, it's dense stuff. It's history, it's, it's scholarship, it has some, you know, thoughtful analysis. So it's just not light reading. And thematically, we've already talked about how kind of brutal it can be. 
Yeah. It makes sense that King Leopold's Ghost, um, as a nonfiction book, ranked really well with Goodreads because it is so readable. Um, I did not choose it as my number four. Not to say that I didn't like it, because I did. Um, but the writing style, I, I picked up a lot of... Um, repetition and there's some like cliches and stuff like that and his constant references to like if this were a novel then this this and this and and it was it fell flat for me in a lot of ways in that respect which is why it was not my number four um and and ultimately i chose to the lighthouse because i did go back and forth with with these two as well um but i chose to the lighthouse because virginia wolf's writing style, even though it is also dense. Um, it's something that like I, certain pieces of it, you're just like, wow, this is some really great writing. And I, and I guess I just ultimately will put style over, um, like, I don't want to say substance, style over substance yeah, necessarily, too, but it's it. like, it's a little too simple to say that, but I, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. So it's, so I, I like To the Lighthouse for, for a lot of reasons. I, again, like, I wouldn't recommend To the Lighthouse to anyone. <laughs> like, just, just like, yeah. a person off the street. Because it's definitely, like, if if you enjoy um, just, like, really diving into style, then this is, like, a great book yeah. Um, yeah. To, to get into. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's why I chose... To the lighthouse I think, for my number four. I think ultimately you just nailed why I switched them and why I went with King Leopold four, and that's because I just think it's more recommendable and it because it's just more readable, which is such a mm -hmm. simple thing to say, yeah. but it's true. And so yeah. it's just kind of if a person has even a kind of passing interest in that that element of history, colonialism, imperialism, I just think it's such an easy wreck then because yeah, I think stylistically it falters a bit and has some kind of like you mentioned some cliches maybe in the writing, but it's also just a fact kind of. Um, and like it the things yeah. you'll take away from it are just exhaustive <laughs> like the the different yeah. facets of history and facts and figures and like lessons learned and big trends in history like there's just an infinite seemingly infinite number of things you could learn from it and so i think yeah and it is readable i, I can see why i got above a four uh, obviously we've spoiled this so let's just close out the rankings here in a good way we've spoiled it um <laughs> number five for goodreads <laughs> this is where we get the precipitous drop amanda because to the lighthouse is number five yeah. and it has a 3.8 this is a classic classic Goodreads sub four ranking. I mean, they, anything yep. that is an incredibly challenging literary read, it will never break a four, I don't think. But yep. I, then again, yep. I, I view Saunders in that way. It's just that his sentences are shorter and easier to comprehend. <laughs> but I think he has aspirations that are pretty complicated. And so um, I guess that's the gap that like readable sentences syntax makes right it's like a it's like right. a 0.4 gap you know between them um but yeah to the lighthouse a 3.8 and a lot of reviews 167,000, which is the second most for this batch and i think it's just bitter high school and undergrads coming in coming in hot <laughs> <laughs> i love it this is their revenge on a dead author <laughs> But no, I think uh, so 3.8 is actually not, it's not a disaster, but the the funny thing with Goodreads is like, it's a four, it's a five, or sorry, four, it's a five point scale, but like most ranking systems, the bottom two points are just never used. <laughs> like there are no yeah. one books or two books or three, you know, th and no like close to threes. Like, I don't think we've ever even gotten below 3.5, have we? Oh, uh, maybe, um... Oh, I think there was one, but I forgot which one it was. Um, the mystery it was one, one that, that we, we disliked? Enjoyed. Oh, one that we liked. No. 
Yeah, the the mystery one actually got uh, a pretty good ranking. Maybe, maybe um, it was the Chong Ray Lee. Maybe it might have been that because for whatever reason that's what came to my mind when okay. I said that. Yeah, yeah. Well, at any rate, this is kind of this is a low rating. I get that mathematically to a. Um, kind of uninitiated listener you might be hearing this and being like well those are pretty close but no there there is a this is the trend we've noticed like as soon as it drops below a four and gets like a couple points below that means a lot that's like a very meaningful goodreads yeah. thing <laughs> uh, is our analysis yeah. so yeah i wasn't shocked to th- see this this is my number five again i gave up that a while ago and your number five then was uh, king leopold's ghost yep Got yep. it. And I know we kind of hashed that That's out. I, I guess I'll just say yeah. it ended up near this bottom for me just because it's just effortful to read. You have to put in a lot of effort to connect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me phrase it this way. I almost would rank our discussions. I would probably put this maybe second or third, like maybe even above Charing Cross. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of Charing Cross, our talk was just kind of, oh, look at this joke. Oh, isn't this so sweet or friendly? Oh, doesn't this make me feel nostalgic? Like, right. it's, I don't know. We had insights, obviously. And like, I, I think all of our discussions are pretty much equally good. I don't really think we ever dropped the ball on that. But trying to unpack this book was, was the fun of it in a way. It was kind of like that was the best fun I had. <laughs> yeah, this is like the perfect book for a book club or for like right. reading with your partner or with a best friend or something like this is just to, to discuss this book is the the real highlight of the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it has some real brilliance in it that hopefully we pulled out and sort of discussed in, in some deep ways. But yeah, it's like if I had to re-rank our episodes or our discussions, it would actually, you know, almost not flip completely, but almost flip. So that's that's the interesting thing. But it's, yeah, it's just, it just takes an effort. So if you're going to go into To the Lighthouse, make sure you check out our episodes. We will be there and commiserate with you. So <laughs> well, you can have us as companions <laughs> to that journey. And then, of course, number six on Goodreads is The Psychology of Zelda, the essay collection. This is a 3.78, so very close, just a little below Lighthouse. This is the stunner, though, Amanda. Did you see how many reviews it had? Uh, yeah, for, I for just Goodreads, saw it. <laughs> this is an abominable number. This is like stunningly low. It's not, it doesn't even have a thousand reviews, it has 368 reviews. That's like. I mean, for Goodreads, that is staggering. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Goodreads book below five to six thousand. Maybe. Yeah, I, guys, you need to advertise your book more. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, who knew? I, it's it stunned me to see that. I that was the more shocking than the ranking. Frankly, the ranking, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I get it. I kind of agree, obviously. But yeah, the the number of reviews. I, at first, I thought I maybe misclicked or clicked on the wrong edition or something. But as far as my brief research could find, that's like that's the reviews it has uh, and then your number six is the same sorry to say it for you and my yep. number six is the same just sorry to give it away any thoughts on putting this last what are your thoughts it just doesn't hold up with like to the rest of them like not to say that i didn't enjoy reading it and that i found some uh some bits of the, what i read like really interesting and um a couple of pieces like you know well written for for academia it's just that mm-hmm it's it's like if you don't care about psychology and you don't care about Zelda, you're not going to care about this book. Um, mm, yeah. But, I mean, it's it was a fine read. It definitely, it's just like compared to, like we had such enjoyable other reads 
that this one is just like, yeah, okay, it was it was there. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was fine. The essays read well enough. It, it reminded me too, and this is no dig at the authors. I mean, perhaps it's not like I've read other of their other pieces of their work. It's more of a shot at the institution, but it reminded me how kind of boringly functional academic writing is. And <laughs> it's like it's just kind of it gets the job done. And so of course when you're immersed in that world or if you're I know I'd made this joke earlier, but if you're an undergraduate who just wants to learn concepts and like just needs accessibility and like wants to get it or understand different things, this is fine. It's good. It'll teach you a couple concepts. It'll illustrate it with examples. It'll, you know, maybe make you think about Zelda a touch more deeply. That's good. But also like it just the writing didn't do anything for me at all. Like I didn't right. I didn't feel like I came away with any remembrance of the authors and what their point of views were, what their perspectives were. It's just very clear, direct. It's, you know, it's academic voice. That's just what academic writing is. It's for better and worse, I suppose. You know, the worse is it's not yeah. a particularly memorable thing. The better is, I think it, at many points, it was quite clear, cogent, and it got, and again, it, so many of these essays, you just kind of look at it and think, well, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm not going to remember this very much either. <laughs> you know, or I'll, I'll remember the thesis, <laughs> I guess. And that's, that's the point, right? <laughs> like most of them made right. their theses pretty clear and cogently, so. All right. Exactly. Any other thoughts on the psychology of Zelda? Yeah, it was yeah my number six as well. A strong batch, though. So you're right. It's in another batch. It might have been a strong five, maybe a four. But I don't. I just can't imagine in any batch of books we've done this being like a top three book. Yeah, it's it's not our our usual pick for for excellence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. Any other thoughts on the Goodreads rankings? Again, I matched up 100%. That is a that is a first and almost definitely a last that I was stunned when I saw it. I always make the Goodreads rankings before mine, though maybe this time I'll... Actually, no, I already made the next document, so that's impossible, but I maybe I'll make my rankings first next time, then do Goodreads. I wonder if it biased me at all. I actually remember seeing the Civil War land come in second and then thinking maybe I'll flip mine just to not agree with theirs, but I went with my heart. I'm not going to lie on the rankings, even if I agree with goodreads <laughs> good yeah honesty over yeah over anything else just an institution i've had my my qualms with my disagreements with so <laughs> still funny to see i'm um, sorry yeah i cut you off any other thoughts on the goodreads rankings any surprises general thoughts there nope i'm good okay and then any final thoughts on this just group of six books that we've completed the highlights of I've enjoyed everything so far, so, yeah. A pretty strong grouping. Read I think, them all, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, and those top three especially, just incredibly strong wrecks. I think I'll say, without spoiling ahead too much, because I, I just alluded to that I made the next document for our next six picks, and my brief memory of it was that there's a lot more threes in the next batch, which, you know, if you know Amanda and I well or have listened to these, that gets us excited, because some of our favorite, most intriguing reads have been in the three zone, where <laughs> we know that Goodreads isn't going to quite rock with it but we find it really interesting so i think this next batch mm -hmm. will have some i don't know more complicated picks or something mm -hmm. uh, but for now we revel yep. in these these great books that we enjoyed quite thoroughly okay um and then any other final thoughts amanda uh no okay Let's get back to the reading then. We have been the Lightly Literary Podcast, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under that handle. That is at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. So check us out there. Follow us um, on those platforms to see what we're doing. And that's, again, Facebook and Instagram. If you're listening on any podcast platform with reviews, we'd appreciate a review. It always helps to give us a five-star rating and a little you know, brief recommendation for the podcast. It helps promote us. And so that's quite helpful, too. We appreciate you listening as 
ever, check out the feed for our next upcoming book picks. Check us out for, you know, recommendations and book club episodes. It's all there in the podcast feed. So do some searching, do some digging, find a book you love. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages.